My name is Stephen Hanshu. I am a level two OneTouch instructor and president of the OneTouch organization. With me today is Mark Melanson, who is a member of the board of directors and also a level two OneTouch instructor. And Mark, since you have been with the organization for just about as long as anybody, I think there's only one other person who has been with it longer than you have, I'd like to ask you to give a little history of who we are and how we came to be. But before we do that, I need to give out the CEU code. So if you are here for CEU credits, the code you need is 787AA. Again, that is 787A as an apple, A as an apple. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, like Steve mentioned, my name is Mark Melanson. I've been with the organization for about 10 years now. How it started is a funny and interesting story. And if you've heard it, I apologize. If not, well, it's always interesting to hear again. So the founder of the system, uh, Stephen Nichols, was a longtime martial artist who had been training in Donsonbury Jiu-Jitsu for about 30 years in the London area. And one of his students who was working as a VOC rehabilitation counselor, asked him to teach self-defense at a guide dog school. And he figured, hey, I've worked with, uh, I've done blindfold training in martial arts, so I can do this easy. Little did he know that, well, one, he never really worked with a blind person in his entire life. And, you know, I think he had only seen two blind people in his entire life and never once interacted with them. So he gets to this guide dog school, goes into the room with them, and really kind of doesn't know what to do. He basically says, find a partner. Nobody moves. I wonder why, right? So, you know, he gets them paired off. He says, okay, all right, so one person, you're going to be the attacker. I want you to grab the other person like this, and the person being grabbed, I want you to do this, 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 this. Go. Everybody just stands there. Just thinking, what is he talking about? He didn't understand. So he, he like just kind of slinks out the room, you know, goes to the bathroom, throws some water on his face and tries to figure out what it is he's doing. What is he doing wrong? So he goes back in there and he actually tries explaining and using hands-on methodology and actually explaining the movement to everybody and working with the individuals in order to describe each and every movement of each and every technique. And you know what? The class actually liked it. Afterwards, one of the students there had a BBC radio show and uh, sat down with him with a recorder and basically asked him, Mr. Nichols, presumably this is a system of self-defense that you have developed for the blind community or the VI community that you would like distributed throughout the United Kingdom. And then he says, of course. Of course, he didn't really have a system. So he spent the next three years actually developing a system and actually working with the VI community in the UK and then brought it over to the United States in 2009. I was introduced to it in 2010, became certified in 2010, and uh, have basically been teaching it since. Thanks, Mark. One Touch, the name of the organization is One Touch Project. And the project is very important because One Touch is a system that is in development and will continue, hopefully, to develop. I don't foresee a time when we're going to be so smart that we don't need to learn something else, something new, something better, something deeper. And One Touch is a system of self-defense. It is not, quote, a martial art. What's the difference? You don't need special equipment. If you don't want to become fully immersed, you can still learn and benefit from one touch. Like anything else, the more time you put in, the more practice you give it, 
the better you'll be, the safer you'll be. But it is intended to be beneficial both for people like Mark and myself who really enjoy teaching and practicing self-defense techniques. And I want to emphasize that that doesn't mean that either of us enjoys violence or fighting. Far from it. Uh, I think we're both relatively peaceful souls. But one touch is a very effective means of protecting oneself in the sad eventuality that one needs to protect oneself. It also is a method that teaches you how to avoid situations in which you need to protect yourself and how to leave situations in which you might need to protect yourself. And then if you can't avoid it, you haven't avoided it, and you can't get out of it, then these techniques are exceedingly effective to help you survive it. And, you know, Mark and I are both people who can talk a long time and hopefully say a lot when we do it, but that's open to debate. But in any case, I'd really be interested in knowing what people would like to know about One Touch. We, we both wish to respond to your questions. So if we could have a conversation with whoever is out there. It, this feels really weird, by the way. I have to tell you, it's the first time I've given, I've spoken at conventions in the past, uh, not this one, and I hope this will be the first of many times to speak to the ACB convention. But uh, I've never spoken to a convention virtually. So uh, if it's possible, is there somebody out there who would like to know something about One Touch? We'd like to tell you. We do have some raised hands. So, Eugene? How you doing? Pretty good. good. My name is Eugene. I'm retired uh, Navy. Uh, uh, 15 years in my Navy, I was law enforcement. And when I got out, I went to work with the Sheriff's Department for 15 years. I was at the VA once when they had some people from the Tampa VA came over, and they were demonstrating a little bit on the One Touch, which some of the stuff they demonstrated I already knew because being prior military law enforcement. Mm -hmm. How do I go about finding out where I can learn to be an instructor? Okay. The easiest way is to just contact us. You can send an email to info at onetouchproject.org, right? Okay. So that is the easiest way to do so. Great. And we would be happy to, you know, run you through the process. Appreciate it. And, and one touch is the numeral one, not, not the word spelled out. Correct. Okay. So yes, Michael, we... you are on mute. Well, thank you very much. My name is Michael Byington, and uh, I am a legally blind guy who is 65 years old and probably about 50 pounds heavier than my ideal weight. However, I am still working with students some, and I'm interested in One Touch because I really feel that uh, self-defense should be a part of any comprehensive orientation and mobility curriculum. Mm -hmm. these days. So I'm interested in finding out what I can learn. And if I'm uh, healthy enough and not too fat to uh, uh, work with my students with it. Right. Okay, absolutely. So for starters, my ongoing class prior to this outbreak was at the Houston VA. So I'm from Houston, and it was at the Houston VA with disabled vets. And they're your age and older, and uh, they're not all in the best shape. But they're perfectly capable of performing all the techniques necessary in order to protect themselves. And they really get a kick out of it, too. So this whole crisis, uh, they're more upset because they're missing class. <laughs> and I'd like to also emphasize, I'm a lifelong blind guy. I'm 73 years old. I am also going deaf as we speak. And I have Meniere's disease, and I practice one touch as well. Mark is a jujitsu practitioner in addition to one touch. I am a, an Arnis, which is a Filipino form practitioner in addition to one touch. Although I started one touch before I went back to Arnis. Uh, and uh, I started one touch four years ago. So I was uh, 
69 years old when I started One Touch, and uh, many of my students are seniors, and many of them are more than 50 pounds overweight, I'm very sorry to say. We would not be telling you the truth if we didn't say to you that you would have an easier time doing One Touch dropping the weight. I would have an easier time doing it if I dropped the 20 pounds I need to drop. One Touch is helpful for that, but I want to emphasize to everyone out there, one need not become an athlete to benefit from One Touch. Absolutely not. And if I could add to that, the whole idea is you need to learn how to move with your body as is in order to affect somebody else's body in order to control them. So however your body is, it doesn't matter if you're a very petite woman or if you're overweight or however the case is, you have to learn how to move comfortably with your body in order to affect their structure, in order to compromise their structure, in order to perform the techniques effectively. It doesn't require strength. It just requires proper technique. I weigh about 200 pounds. We have a coach who weighs about 85 pounds, and she is quite able to throw me to the ground. And in fact, I have to constantly ask her to lighten up. So (laughs) I think that's quite a testimonial in itself. Somebody else like the mic? Yes. Barbara, you are allowed to talk. I took the One Touch classes a couple years back at the ACB convention, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. The problem is, naturally, I don't remember everything after just attending one session. I would like to continue practicing. There apparently isn't a instructor readily around, which is what it is. So do you have some sort of files, computer files or other audio files that I could purchase that would let me continue with my training? Thank you. The idea of learning a self-defense system remotely is, at least I believe, pretty problematic. You know, if you know the system, then notes and files are really helpful to remind you of things as you practice, hopefully with a partner. I think that part is really important, no matter how much you know, if you don't have somebody to practice with, you're going to lose what you've learned unless you've done it for, you know, 10 or 15 years. And then you have a muscle memory that develops that'll kick in without a lot of conscious thought. Mark has a lot more of that than I do because he's got a lot more years in than I do. So what I would say is this, we are in the midst of reorganizing how we teach One Touch to try to meet everybody's needs because it is a problem. If uh, I'm, Mark's in Texas, I'm in Michigan. Uh, The nearest, it happens that there's one other coach who is relatively close to me. And when this pandemic ends, he and I will be able to begin training with each other. And I have several long-term students that once this pandemic ends, uh, we will again continue training. But we're going to be holding programs around the country. And what I would emphasize to you would be a really helpful thing to do is to contact us indicating that you would like more training and tell us where you are. And we will keep you alerted to when we're holding programs, wherever they are going to be held. And that will enable you to participate if they're close enough to you. And, you know, once you've been through three or four days of training in one touch, at that point, it's really helpful to give you some files or things to enable you to remember the, uh, the material. But to, to send you out a program after several years of training, I think would be misleading. I think that that would make you feel more confident than you should. And the worst thing you want is to be overconfident. I, I 
you know, I want to stress that one touch is not going to turn any one of us into John Wayne or Bruce Lee or I don't know who the people in this generation who are equivalent to that are. So one touch, one touch will will maximize our capabilities. So, if I may, so um, if if you shoot me an email uh, because I'm the one who responds to email, and I apologize if any of y'all have sent an email and I have not yet responded. I do have a lot of email. I will get to every single one. I promise. If you shoot me an email with your location, we might actually have an instructor close to your area. We do have a list of instructors. Plus, we are still looking for more people to become instructors. And the curriculum is changing as it was mentioned before. And if you've gone through a refresher course, if you've taken training a few years back, and if you've gone through a refresher course, there could be, you know, core materials that could be sent to you. But there are some techniques, like if you remember some of the wrist locks or some of the elbow locks, some of those wrist locks are more dangerous than people actually realize. Because just simple twisting a wrist one direction, you know, pick a direction either way, clockwise or counterclockwise, uh, that's going to cause a compound fracture. That's not actually going to break the wrist. That could potentially break the ulna or radial bone. And if that nicks the artery, then that person better get a tourniquet on that. I mean, this, these techniques are very serious. And if you do not have an instructor present, I mean, one slip or one, you know, somebody just having an attitude while performing a technique can seriously hurt somebody. So that's one reason why we're very protective over just giving out some of the more dangerous materials. But there is a possibility that some of the materials could be released. We're, we're actually in discussion of, of things like that for people who have, you know, gone through so, so much training. And I don't know that we're actually going to sell it. Uh, we are a nonprofit. I don't. I don't know that we're just outright going to sell it. Uh, we we have to continuously discuss that. But please shoot me an email with your location so that we can discuss further. But also, if there are no instructors in your area, we have instructors who will travel to you. If it's if it's a matter of if we can organize enough people in your area who want a workshop. And we can justify by raising the travel costs and whatnot. That is an option. That's ab- that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And and oftentimes um, the uh, different. Sometimes for veterans, the VA has sponsored that in the past. Um, we've had situations where. Uh, Local chapters of ACB and local chapters of NFB have off, have organized um, training sessions in their areas, uh, and sometimes agencies have done that. So uh, there are lots of ways it can happen. So anybody who is interested in this, please get in touch. You, there's no loss in trying, and we, you know, we're all here to get this job done. I, I sought serious, competent self-defense training from the age of 16, and I didn't really find what I needed, even though I kind of hung around the edge of martial arts, and I did a six months of this and eight months of that, and there was really something missing. And I didn't find a place that I was able as a blind person to fully participate until I I went uh, to a seminar at the other consumer group. And I got hooked the very first time out. And I went out and said, you've got 10 more sessions at this convention. I can't afford to pay you for 10. Can I can I cut a deal and pay you for five and come to all of them? And that's what we did. And, you know, here I am. I'm still here and still excited. Somebody else? And buying to? few things. Uh, one, is, is, one is fixable. I'm not sure about the other one. Um, <clears throat> when they've had one touch at national conventions in the past, 
uh, several years. It's been scheduled later in the evening. And I'm an old lady, and by the time it gets to be evening, I am so tired, I can't even think about doing more physical exercise. So my plea is, if you come to Phoenix next year, and I know that you're going to be conflicting with other uh, stuff, but if you could do your presentations a little bit earlier in the afternoon, I would be much more able to participate. The second thing, uh, concern that I have is, like... uh, the first guy, I can't think of your name, but who is visually impaired and losing his hearing. I'm also a hearing impaired, visually impaired person. And the concern I have is that by the time somebody attacks me, I'm going to be, I won't be able to respond fast enough because it takes me a few seconds to figure out what's going on a lot of times. Uh, that's, that's The first question is the easier one, and that is, that I think that Mark would agree that our coaches are prepared to teach any time of the day or night, and we teach when we're given time. So if we're given time at 6 in the morning, we'll show up to teach anybody who's there at 6 in the morning. (laughs) If we're given time at midnight, we'll show up then. And uh, whoever sets up the schedules, uh, please tell them that you'd like one touch earlier and, and believe me, we'll that. be there earlier. I, I, have, I have also taken a note of it and I will request such. And if not, if you email me and remind me, then okay. I will make sure that if I'm there or if we have any other coaches there, even if we are later, I will make sure a coach meets with you earlier. Okay. Yep. Thank you. We're 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 that we're that excited. Now, now I want to talk. I'm the deafblind one, and uh, I want to say that one of the things that One Touch really is good for it's called One Touch because many of our techniques are based on the idea that somebody grabs me, I cover their hand immediately with my hand, either one depending on what's closest. And I learn by, by, by simply touching their hand, I immediately now know where the rest of their body is, which gives me five or six things that I've been trained to do in response to whatever kind of a grab they're doing to me. And so one touch can help with that. When, when we're first attacked, the normal human response is to freeze. One touch teaches us how not to freeze. So the thing that is worrying you is very much part of the one touch system to overcome that tendency to freeze. And it gives you uh, numerous things that you can do to respond to attacks and with enough practice, you won't think about it. You'll just do it. Absolutely, because not only do we teach techniques, but we actually teach threat recognition, threat analysis, and appropriate response. Now, this actually retrains your brain through neuroplasticity to actually reduce that response time, because you are going to learn how to respond quicker without even really having to think about it. Because if somebody grabs you or somebody comes up to you, you may not have heard them come up to you and realize that that attack happened. But as soon as it is, you're going to start processing because we do scenario-based training. After you learn the basic techniques, then we do scenario-based training. But this is a matter of having enough training time in order to go from learning the basics to getting to scenario-based training. Area code 951, you are allowed to talk. Oh, hi. I, I, I took a class in a group, and I'm, I'm, my name is Nancy. And what worries me the most is someone coming up behind me, knocking me down, trying, sucker punching me. You know, uh, using a gun or a knife, and I, I when I, I I'm totally blind. I'd I'd be fearful, but I wouldn't know if someone had a weapon. And also, I'm, I want to know if one could, on request only, of course, have one-on-one training because I I don't do as well in a group. I get nervous, and thank you. All right. So with that, if somebody wants one-on-one training, they get one-on-one training. 
that's absolutely a legit request. And if you want one-on-one training, then you get one-on-one training. We just have to make sure that there's an instructor in your area or that that gets arranged. And we cover all sorts of scenarios. However, from behind, we do cover. Um, When it comes to somebody sucker punching you, first, you have to learn the basics of the movements in order to respond to such. Uh, But yes, all sorts of scenarios get covered. And one thing that it really helps with, um, especially with my vets that I work with, you know, they, it has really helped them with, with their confidence. And so, you know, honestly, that was the, that is the best group that I've ever worked with. So, you know, some people like working with children and, you know, whatnot, but eh. so hopefully, hopefully this, this pandemic will end soon so I can go back to teaching. <laughs> but yeah, yes. all the way, well, everybody wants the pandemic to be over, but I'll tell you, one touch people really want, want it to be over because we get a lot of, you know, I didn't realize I became an instructor because that was the only way I could learn the system at that time. And we're, we're attempting to make that less the case that you, you don't, you won't have to become an instructor in order to learn the system. However, I discovered as soon as I started teaching the system, how very gratifying it was to teach another person. And the exercise of teaching has made me a far better practitioner. So, but, you know, having said that, I wanted to respond to the sucker punch question because number one, it's important for us as blind people to understand that sighted people get sucker punched too. Sighted people get attacked with knives that they don't see coming either. And Lord knows, hopefully none of us will have either of those things happen. Um, But, you know, should they, you're much better off with the training than without it. Uh, (laughs) it. It absolutely is. And I know blind people who have defended themselves successfully against both things. That doesn't mean that any one of us, regardless of our training, will be successful, but we'll certainly have a much better chance if we've been trained. And, you know, sometimes sighted people don't defend themselves successfully with or without training either. So while there are no guarantees, I would really recommend anyone who has any anxiety about defending yourself, it won't ever completely disappear because if it did, you wouldn't be a very thoughtful person. But you will have a much better sense of the things that you're able to do and you you will realize that you are not out of control. You, You are not in any sense helpless. I don't know why it is, but the majority of times that sighted people attack blind people, they grab us, which is the best. If you're going to attack me, please do me the favor of grabbing me. It gives me a starting place. That's When sighted people attack each other, they usually kick or punch as their first move. But they think that we're helpless. And so they come up and they grab us. And thank you very much, Mr. Mugger. I'm so glad you touched me. Okay, Sean? Okay, that got quite a laugh, so thank you for that. Um, I guess I am somebody who I've heard of One Touch, um, but I've never been to a convention. I know absolutely nothing about it, and I just want you to be aware that there really are people, those of us who have no idea what any of this is. So at least I'm at least one person for whom you're going to have to start at the very beginning. And I'm probably not the only one, so. Not at all. Most of our students come with no knowledge of what would be involved in self-defense. And until you've actually stood up with another person and been taught a couple of techniques and had them done to you and done them, it's just words. But I can give you a few words, a little bit of a description. Uh, The basis of our system relies on lock joint and joint locks, 
which are very sophisticated ways of bending your opponent's body in the opposite direction that it was designed to be bent in. And we also learn how to maximize our strikes so that whatever strength level we are at, we get the maximum benefit from any strike that we would perform on an opponent. And the most Um, important point, we don't miss. That's the, yes. Learning how to successfully target as a blind person. It, you know, sighted people, they go to a self-defense course and often the self-defense course is um, teaching people that they ought to step on the instep, kick the knee, target the groin, target the throat, target the eyes. um, And, you know, a little bit of practice and so forth. But they they vision they're doing all that visually there are techniques that enable us once we have contact with any part of their body to successfully target where what we need to to stop them from harming us but those are again that's that that's why we as blind people study one touch and teach one touch and you know earlier in the conversation there was a gentleman who uh had been in the military uh police and we had a a coach who sadly uh passed away recently of severe cancer who started his life in the special forces and then was both the law enforcement and a correction enforcement officer for his entire life and had more self-defense training and uh, combat training than I can begin to imagine. And you would, you would say to yourself, what would cause a guy like him to come to a one touch seminar? Well, when he started to lose his vision, he said, okay, now how can I use all this training When I'm blind, I may know the arm bar or the figure four arm lock backwards throw, but how am I going to get there when I can't see my opponent? And somebody with that incredible level of training, I learned a great deal from him. Uh, He found one touch to be so beneficial to himself that he became an instructor and a, and a colleague and we miss him. Brandon? Yes, my dear. I'd like to make a comment and ask a question. Hi. You may. This is Debbie Hazelton and I, uh, you may have covered some of this when I had a phone call here, but um, I think this is super important. Um, I am totally blind and in my 60s and I think that even if we don't ever have to use this I think being really comfortable in our bodies and learning to be totally in charge of our movement and and our our freedom of being in our bodies and absolutely not being in a situation where we're overtaken or conquered or overcome by someone else thinking that we're a good target. And I hate to say it, but I think sometimes there are those of us who are or who have been. So I think this is hugely important. And my question is, how do you teach this remotely and i gather you do or how do you teach this if we're not in person so uh uh, let me take that at two parts Mm -hmm. uh for starters i completely agree with you like for for one uh you remember back in the 90s how all the ladies self-defense studios opened up um all around towns everywhere and in those areas crimes against ladies actually dropped you know what mm-hmm. the more the more visually impaired blind people actually learn to defend themselves mm-hmm. people are going to know about that and the crimes against them we seriously hope will drop well there was a book that national brow press put out called safe without sight 
And there were some very, there were things in there that I knew I wished I had somebody actually show me. But there were some smart things in there, like don't tell people your dog doesn't bite and don't tell people that you can't (laughs) see. Don't say that, you know. You might say you might say something about you know being legally maybe saying legally blind or you might say you're visually impaired. But if they say, well, do you have any vision at all? Don't ever admit that you don't. Well, uh, so there are, there are some contentious points regarding that because if the person believes you're blind, they are likely going to attack you completely differently. Mm-hmm because they are likely going to be an aggressor by grabbing you and please excuse the term mm-hmm. manhandling mm-hmm. it will be more akin to a lady self-defense situation as opposed to them thinking that you can see and they want to smack you as hard as they can to make it hey they can see my face mm-hmm. they're never worried but it's not a matter of that it's just kind of the the concepts and the ideas for for some and at certain times may have been completely legit i i can't really speak for that and i don't want this presentation to be mm-hmm. about that um i have not read the entire book yeah sure. I, so i don't want to speak speak no. about that mm-hmm. um however things do change over time well, yeah. Over the years, they used to say, don't fight back and then fight back. So and don't make noise and then make noise. But I, I don't want to dominate. So. Right. Well, no, no. I, you asked you asked two important questions. Right. And, and and I like Mark want to say to you that the first part of everything you said, I was sitting here going, gee, please come and learn one touch. And would you like to be a publicist for us? Because I totally agree. People who learned, I've got a particular student. And when he started studying One Touch, he was a very uh, fearful traveler. And now, you know, he was a newly blinded guy. And so he, over time, he was going to become less fearful, hopefully, anyway. But he says he maintains that learning One Touch made him a more confident traveler I and believe i believe it. it i believe it okay now now in terms and and now i'm going to get into some controversial ground um i personally am scared of remote training however if you're able to participate in any in-person training then remote support for your continuing study of one touch is absolutely possible um, to to give you training materials as the first step i'm scared for that to happen and mark covered uh, mm-hmm. i don't want to re- repeat but i'll quickly just kind of mention mark covered there are two basic reasons for that one is that we really need hands on Mm -hmm. so that you'll get the technique correctly because an eighth of an inch difference in how far you turn a wrist Mm -hmm. and how much resistance you're feeling means the difference between whether the technique doesn't work at all or an eighth of an inch too far you could send that person to the hospital and potentially they could bleed out on the way there oh lord so you know and 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 so i don't want to scare anybody away absolutely not i have never i've been teaching one touch for four years i've taught over a hundred different people in that time, probably nearer to 200, I've never had even a minor injury in my classes. So well, it can be it can be done safely and responsibly. Don't don't mm-hmm. don't get frightened. But we we are incredibly safety conscious instructors. Right. And yeah. And and the point the point of these techniques these techniques have to be brutal. You don't have to apply them like that. You can do a joint lock to just control somebody, or you can do a joint lock to just completely destroy somebody. You can just break them. And the reason for that is if you're blind, you can't tell if in their other hand, what if they do have a weapon? Mm-hmm. 
we don't necessarily know. And if it comes to that, we have to avoid escalation at all costs. We cannot allow escalation. And if that means that we have to make that choice in order to put that person on the ground to where they can't chase us while we find our way away just to get away so that they can't get up and chase after us, then, you know, that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, we I hope talk. that's helpful. I hope all yes. that's helpful. It is, and, and I want to talk after. Yeah. Great. If you're interested in training, please contact us. Mark is going to be giving the the address a couple more times. Um, there may be an instructor in your area. It changes on a daily basis where there are doctors, and we are willing to travel if there's you know if if you find several other people in your area who are interested in learning we can organize something we can figure it out we're we're a group of blind people who care to get this job done great hello everybody this is absolutely so fascinating to me my two quickies first of all is this just for blind people i live in a senior facility And while there is another blind person here, I would think if the activity director would be interested that it would be a great thing to do. And the other thing is, I have pretty uh, moderate neuropathy in my elbows. And just thinking about somebody grabbing my elbows, which you probably have to do to train, sends my stomach into a, oh, no, don't do that. So (laughs) what's what's the deal with if you have neuropathy? Thanks. Right. So, Steve, you mind me taking this? No, go ahead. All right. So um, we had an instructor who is no longer with us in Massachusetts. Um, And uh, every single time I'd fly up there, we'd go to the Worcester Senior Center and we'd go and teach lessons there. And the majority of people who showed up were completely sighted. And we just have a few people who are visually impaired or blind who showed up. And none of those who showed up were, you know, from the Senior Center. So that's not an issue. Um, So whenever we work with somebody who has a medical condition, uh, you tell us beforehand and we work with you. Um, And in that case, if that medical condition would prevent somebody from putting a lock on you, typically when working with seniors and senior centers, um, the instructors are the only ones who are going to get techniques applied to them. So they might grab you, you perform a technique on them, but, uh, you know, you're not going to get a technique applied on you. So that is a little different when it comes to, uh, you know, general training. Uh, Usually you work with a partner and you go back and forth doing techniques. Um, Whereas, you know, typically at senior centers, um, and especially when people have medical conditions, uh, I have an individual who, uh, at the VA, who is uh, in a wheelchair. Uh, He's a stroke survivor. He's in a wheelchair. He only has uh, use of one arm. And uh, you know what? Me or an assistant rotate around, and uh, we attack him, and he puts us on the ground, and it laughs. Um, So... Uh, so, you know, we don't do techniques on him, but, uh, he sure does techniques on us. <laughs> so we work with you. So that's the whole thing. We are trying to make this as accessible as possible. Okay. Uh, Vicki, thank you for responding to my hand. Um, I am a woman in my sixties and I, I had judo when I was in high school and I never kept up with it. But my question is, you know, in order to get out and travel, which I haven't been, I'm feeling myself become a little more fearful than I'd like. Um, and I'm going to be a guide dog user again, hopefully soon. So, I'm asking, how does this work if you are a guide dog user and uh, can you still successfully uh, get the training that you need and be able to hopefully keep up some practice? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So when when that's done, uh, first, it's it's a matter of selecting your techniques based on the attack. First, you're going to train without your guide dog present. You're going to use a chair instead of your guide dog or, or some other prop. And then you work your way up. But, you know, your guide dog safety and your safety are of, of utmost importance. So we make sure that we work things to where you feel confident and you feel safe. Now, there are some guide dog users who will not let go of the harness or the lead. There are some people who won't drop their cane. They're, you know, different people have different choices. And it's just a matter of, honestly, you have to make your choices and we work around your choices in order to provide you the training that you need to feel confident. The only thing I want to add to that answer, which is I absolutely agree with everything Mark said, but I would also say, and I do say to students, uh, I have several students who don't want one who won't let go of the, the lead on, with their dog and one who won't let go of the cane on the street. And we do techniques that uh, take that into account. However, I remind them that they don't always, they're not always using their cane or their dog. You can get attacked in your home or uh, in a place where you're not moving and you don't have your cane or your dog. Uh, you know, by the hand or lead or whatever. And so the, it is important to learn the techniques uh, with your hands empty as well. And again, like Mark said, this is intended to help you whatever your starting point is. And so we will tailor it to fit your needs. Right. And, um, and- I, I started in my, in my, at the age of 69. That was a very good point. Your, your training would start without, you know, simulating having a guide dog present. And more intermediate practice would be if you wanted to simulate having your guide dog with you, then going from there. Okay, Linda. Hi, um, I'm Linda. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, I'm in Sudbury, which is kind of, um, kind of, let me turn my speech off because it's interfering with, okay, first of all, do you, uh, I have questions. One question is, do you teach people that are blind and have a slight hearing impairment, um, like the person that spoke um, about that? Um, and the second question is, uh, when I lived in Florida, I had a friend that taught cane techniques of self-defense. And the thing was that I could never seem to um, calm myself enough to not freeze. But basically, I am interested in, in lessons. It's just that um, I'm not in a situation where I know a bunch of blind people where I could transport myself there and be able to work with other people, you know, practice with other people. And so I don't know if that just means I shouldn't try to do this or not. Steve, you want to take the first question? And sure. Let the me first, the, yes, absolutely. The first part is I have taught people who were profoundly deaf, no hearing at all, and totally blind. Uh, they needed to bring an interpreter with them. Uh, but I've been able to teach them successfully. Uh, at least I want to say that when I say successfully, they felt that the training was valuable and they kept coming back for it. And Mark, you wanted to take the second part? All right. So as for techniques with cane, that's actually somebody's choice. We will not start off teaching techniques with the, using, with the use of cane. That's more intermediate and or advanced because honestly, if you're still holding your cane, that's one less hand that you have to actually defend yourself and whatnot. Because you don't know if in their other hand, if they were to grab you, if they have a knife or a gun or something. Um, another thing is if you require that cane to get away, what if you break that cane? What if they snatch it away from you? Um, so I typically tell people drop the cane drop the person pick up the cane go about your business but you know what 
we do have techniques for using the cane, but that's not what's taught first. Because if you're still holding a cane, that's one less hand that you have to manipulate that person. And it's really tricky. It's really tricky. So that's more advanced. Um, and as opposed to uh, when it comes down to finding people in your area, um, if you were to shoot me an email, and again, that's info at onetouchproject.org or .com. We have both. So if you send an email to either of those addresses, and that's with the numeral one, I will check to see if we have any, any instructors in your area. And I will get back to you regarding that. Because if you actually want training, we will do our best in order to give you training. Nora, you are allowed to talk. There should be a screen asking you to unmute. A couple of things. A couple of my questions actually got answered. Um, and Mark, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your address again because I am one that would like to contact you, but you just did that, so thank you. Because no I did go to I did go to the website. I I took well, they had I guess they call I guess they called it beginner, advanced, or one and two or whatever um, at the convention last year, and it wasn't it wasn't um, instructor level training. It was participant level training. Um, and I have taken another self-defense class. I, I do have some reasonable vision. So I took one that was modeled after, kind of modeled after a model mugging program that, that came out of Boulder, Colorado. It was really good. But I got to tell you, I was really impressed with this because of its versatility. Um, with regard to the cane question, for instance, um, if somebody grabs your left hand, and you've got the cane in your right hand, you got to drop that cane because you're probably going to need the right hand to grab them to get control of them. So um, just wanted to reinforce that. As for people being concerned about whether you can do it, at mine, I asked that question because I've also worked with people with many disabilities. They have ways to teach people who are in wheelchairs to use it. They have ways to teach someone who is... Uh, you have to be a little careful in terms of helping them understand the limits in terms of not going far enough to hurt someone. But I asked about doing it with people with developmental disabilities. It's just so different from other self-defense programs. And it, the reason strength isn't such a big deal is just because they use leverage. That is what allows them, what we talked about, maybe moving their bodies so that you get some control over it. It's, because, it's not because you overpower them. It's because you outmaneuver them via leverage, which is like, basic physics type stuff. So um, I would like to, um, I will get in touch with you, Mark, because I, I did want to follow up. And I, when I looked on the website, I looked for several months and never saw a training right. event coming up on the website. So right. maybe better to, to work directly with you. Okay. And I would, I would also like to remind, I would also like to reinforce what someone else said about uh, it would have been great. I, I agree with you that the first training should be hands-on. But I also know that we come back and if we don't have someone to work with or we, we, get, some, we get so much other information at the convention and so forth, it really would have been nice for those of us who, and I don't know whether you can give us a code like when we completed both levels or something like that, that that entitles us to get into get files. But even if I had had files just to hear again, or even if you had them available for those with low vision videos, just to refresh our memory so that we don't lose it over time and have more or less have to start over again a year later. Okay. Uh, a couple things. One, would you like to write our promotional materials? <laughs> number number Wait, two. Wait, you already asked me to be your publicist. We're a volunteer organization. We're always looking for help. Um, so, number two, uh, we are reorganizing and our website has not really been updated. We are actually going to ditch that website and we're working on a new website. It just has not been completed yet. That's another task on my plate. So, um, so working on it. So uh, so th that comes back to the remote um, materials. And uh, we are currently in a lot of discussion for that. That is something that really needs to be considered, especially because we don't know when 
we are truly going to be off of lockdown due to the pandemic. And once we come off lockdown and we're able to, you know, have more events, we don't know when we're going to be back on lockdown again. So it is going to be necessary for us to address that, and we will address that. And please do get in contact with us. Uh, we will do our best to to answer that in the best way. And and again, I, I'd like to jump in and say to you, if if it is possible for you to find one person who is willing to partner with you an hour to a week so that you can practice, then the video or audio material that we are hoping to develop can be very beneficial to you. Without someone to practice, it will be a great deal less beneficial to you. Not only that, um, we do have sighted instructors as well. So I, I'm not saying that this is this is not something that we've actually truly fully discussed. So I'm just kind of tossing this out there. But we do have some sighted instructors, and they might be possible to use Zoom in order to monitor to see if you're actually doing the techniques right if you have a, a partner. So all those fails that may, it might not, but it may be a possibility if you have done some training before. Um, Campbell? Okay. My name is Campbell. Um, I am a high school student from Tennessee, and I would most certainly like to have some some sort of self-defense training um, before I go to college because I'm almost certain to be living on campus. And so, you know, I think it would be very important for me to have that kind of training when I'm adjusting to an unfamiliar environment and, you know, adjusting to unfamiliar surroundings and things like that. And so I know you said, you know, if someone is interested in training to kind of eat to email um, info at one touch.org, correct? One touch project.org. Oh, one touch project.org. Sorry. Um, and in the meantime, is there like, while the pandemic and stuff is going on, is there anything I could do as far as prerequisites? Maybe I know you said that you take, um, beginners, you know, who don't know anything about it, but is there anything I could do to maybe prepare a little bit? Um, if you shoot me an email, I will shoot, I will give you access. It's very difficult for me to just, uh, just off the top of my head because right. uh, prior to, prior to beginning training, um, I mean, I could list a stretch, a work on a couple exercises, like, um, depending on not, not stating you, but, uh, a lot of, uh, blind individuals have problems with balance. Well, there's a couple of right. exercises that totally help with balance. And that's just like, mm -hmm. you know, standing on your tippy toes, going back down, standing on your tippy toes, do that 50 times. And then, mm -hmm. you know, later on in the day, do it 50 more times. Your calves are going to be sore, but it is going to drastically improve your balance in about a week. Okay. So something like that, um, you know, just standard lunges, body weight exercises definitely help. Uh, you don't have to do it to the extreme, um, but standard stretches and just standard movements. I mean, I'm going to date myself, but, uh, you know, step aerobics, anything that just gets you moving and gets you comfortable with, with movement. Um, so uh, just anything with movement dance certainly helps salsa certainly helps with learning how to <laughs> learning how to learning how to move around somebody in mm -hmm. order to affect their body their movement by your movement and it's simple right. well except for the hip movements but you know but that all comes into play when you're actually performing these techniques, when you make those steps, when you're turning, when you're pivoting, when you're moving. So mm -hmm. the more comfortable you are with movement, with your body moving, the better off it'll be when you start training. Okay. Yeah, I just wondered. And I feel like I've kind of asked what a lot of people have asked before. So, I, But I just wanted to confirm the right. information as well as get a little bit of extra stuff. So thank you. No problem. 
And just to let you guys know, you guys have about 10 minutes left. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been a phenomenal group of folks. I, I have really enjoyed talking with all of you, and I hope if let's spend the next 10 minutes continuing. If there are more raised hands, we're happy to take any more questions there are. Area code 207, you are allowed to talk. Hi, this is uh, Margaret up in somewhat rural Maine. Am I coming through? Yes. Oh, great. Thank you. Yes, this is a wonderful presentation. Um, I, I have uh, two uh, quick questions, I hope they are. Um, one is, I'm sure there must be some pricing associated with the training, and I wonder if you could just give us some idea, because even volunteer organizations obviously still need need money. And, and the other question is, just following through on your very helpful description of the one-touch concept, so you you hopefully you get this person into a, a hold or a position where you you sort of won or conquered or what have you but then how do you how do you get out of the situation i mean i i know perhaps like many others by the time i had done whatever i needed to do and maybe dropped the leash or the cane or whatever i i could be seriously disoriented so what what how do you how do you remove yourself from the situation and from the person's um taking advantage of what you've done thank you Sure. So um, when it comes to the pricing, it actually kind of depends on um, who is we have. It depends who's flying out, right? Uh, how many instructors do we have to send? Uh, what is the price of transportation going to be? Uh, is it a large group? Is it a workshop? Is it a seminar? Um, so I can't really give a rough idea of the numbers at the moment. Is it last minute? Or is it uh, is it a couple months away or whatnot? Uh, we have to factor that in. Um, but again, we're a non-for-profit organization, um, and you know we had set prices before, but we have been working on reorganizing. So at this point, we do not have firm numbers. So you know we're working on that. Um, as for the second question, when you have practiced for a while, after you, let's say this is not a serious threat, you've gotten into the point where you locked a person and you realize, oh, they were trying to help me cross the street. Oh, it's a Boy Scout. I'm not going to break them. You can easily disengage. It's not that you're going to be absolutely tangled up with that person. So we don't choose techniques that you're going to be absolutely tangled up. And once you've done the techniques enough, you're not going to actually be flustered. You're going to you're going to do the technique without thinking about it. But once the technique's locked on, you're going to realize how far the pressure is needed in order to break or dislocate the shoulder or, you know, pop the capsule on the elbow or whatever. You're going to know because you're going to feel their body respond. You're going to feel them off balance. So at that point, you will know, hey, is this actually a threat? You know, like I mentioned, threat recognition, threat analysis, and appropriate response. So, and if you were to have to break them, well, you just let go. They're falling to the ground. If they're broken, then you would find your cane or your dog the same way you would find your cane or your dog if you had to do it without an attack being involved. If you don't have to break them, they're probably going to say, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean, you misunderstood. Gee, I didn't mean to attack you, Mark. Uh, your cane's right here. Right. To, to give you an actual instance, so I was walking along um, and somebody just actually, maybe I was just standing there. Somebody thought I was lost, so they grabbed me. I put them in a lock. I didn't actually apply the pressure. And I was like, Excuse me, can I help you? It's like, Huh? I was trying to help you. Could you please not grab me without asking permission first? And I let go. I picked up my cane. So it's versatile. Okay. Uh, Max, you are. Um, allowed to talk. There should be a screen asking you to mute. Oh, hello. I just wanted to know: is this? Is there anyone teaching this technique in Canada? Uh, we have a couple. Of, we we have a couple of um, people who have expressed interest, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. So okay. the answer is: we hope soon. What part of Canada are you in? 
Well, I live in Windsor, Ontario. I'm right near the Detroit border. Well, I happen to, I, I live in Detroit. So oh, wow. if you contact Mark at that address, I think we can find some way. And I, when, when the pandemic is over, I teach about eight blocks from the Windsor Tunnel. Okay. So that sounds like we could work something out. I'd have to figure out how, how, how I'd get there once the pandemic's gone because of, uh, I, I don't know, I'm not very good at traveling. I, I could, you know, I need some help. Or well, could, like, you know. get, get in touch with us and we'll see what we can do. We, we, we really go to great lengths to try to train people who have a serious interest. Well, thank you. Well, you're most welcome. For those who don't know, Windsor and Detroit are right across the river from each other, and it's the only place where Canada is south of anything in the United States. So probably be the last question. So area code 541, you're allowed to talk. Hi. I just thank you very much for being there. Um, I think Donna Penny is going to teach the Southwestern Oh, no. Wait, I think I just muted her. I'm sorry. That's okay. There you go. You're I, back. I, I was just saying, I think, I think Donna Penny is going to teach members of the Southwestern chapter. Uh, I'm a member. I'm Deb Kokel. And I, too, have had some self-defense training, which saved me at least three times. But I'm very interested. Let us know how to stay in touch with you, and we will do all we can. Thanks. Okay, I think um, we're literally just almost approaching time. It's like forty-three here. How do we so find I you? Think, yeah, where do we find you guys? All right, www.numero1touchproject.com, and again, info at onetouchproject.com. Fabulous. Or org. Thank you. Okay, and let me give out that last CEU code for everyone. So um, it's 9DBEA. So that is 9 Delta Bravo Echo Alpha. I want to thank everybody. This has been great. Thank you guys for coming. I look forward to teaching people in person next year. <laughs>